Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The Gospel of John, chapter 9, is entirely dedicated to the story of one poor blind man and his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was one of the signs that the Apostle John included in his Gospel, that is, miracles that displayed the glory of God in Christ Jesus. This man was blind from birth and would never be able to see apart from divine intervention. Using only clay and his own spittle, the Lord was able to provide vision to one who only lived in darkness. How similar to this is our condition. We are also blind from birth, as far as the spiritual dimension is concerned. In our natural condition, we are not able to see and appreciate Christ for who He is, nor do we rightly understand our own standing before God as sinners. This poor man went and washed the mud off his eyes in the pool of Siloam and came back seeing clearly. What a change there was in his condition, such a change that he was no longer recognized by the people who lived around him. A new life began for him that day, both physically and spiritually. But there was more to come. Later, he met Jesus in the temple, and for the first time was able to look into the face of his Savior, a sight he would never forget. In our message today, speaker Stephen Harper looks into the circumstances of this man's story and how it applies to us even today. John chapter 9, verse number 11. A man that is called Jesus made clay. That's our reading. A man that is called Jesus made clay. July 2013 saw the very last of the world's remaining telegram services come to an end. And the young people in the meeting are saying, Telly what? Well, 24th of May, 1844, the first telegraph service was launched. Its creator, Samuel Morse, you may recognize that name, Samuel Morse, wired the very first message along the 61 kilometers of cable from Washington to Baltimore, and the message famously read, What hath God wrought? What hath God wrought? And this evening we have read about something that God has done. We've read about a life-changing experience in the life of a man born blind. And there came a moment when the creator of heaven and earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, he stooped into the dust. He spat on it. And with his finger he made clay and anointed the eyes of a man born blind. And in a moment the darkness was gone. What hath God wrought? What has God done? This is the sixth of seven very carefully chosen sign miracles in John's Gospel. The narrative from which we've read this evening contains no less than 16 questions 
And we're going to think about just a select few of them. Because as we just hang our thoughts around these questions, in the story of this man born blind and who received his sight, we're going to learn some very important lessons. The first question, you'll find it in verse 2 of the chapter, is this. Who sinned? Who sinned? You see, for some people, the question of sin is just something that you talk about in a coffee shop. It's something that's theoretical. It's something that's just hypothetical. For some people, they like to talk about the whys and the wherefores. But you see, when it came to the matter of this man's condition, his condition was not just a theoretical, hypothetical point. It was a very personal problem as far as the Lord Jesus was concerned. And while others were discussing the niceties about whether he brought his condition on himself or someone else brought the condition on him, the Lord Jesus was more interested in the fact that here's a blind man and he needs his sight. Of course, you would know, as I do, that these Stories that are recorded for us in the Gospels are not just interesting little historical narratives that are there just to entertain us. It's very clear that as the Gospel writers bring all of these accounts of the Lord Jesus' life together, they have a very important lesson for you and I. And it's clear as we read through John's Gospel that blindness and darkness is symbolic of your condition and mine, our spiritual condition, in the darkness of our sins, in the blindness of our sinful natural state, and needing to be enlightened, needing to be saved, needing to be brought out of darkness into marvelous light. So the Holy Spirit highlights this man's blindness because it is symbolic of the moral and spiritual condition of you and I. We need to be saved just as this man needed to be healed. Of course, it's important for us all to remember that not only are we born in sin and born in darkness, not only does the darkness describe our moral and spiritual position, remember that it describes an eternal condition. It describes the eternal and final condition of everyone who rejects the Lord Jesus, to be cast into outer darkness, to be forever under the judgment of God, to be forever without hope and without light, to be forever banished from God. And the Bible is very, very clear. We've been trying to be faithful to you night by night as we say there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This darkness not only describes your present condition if you're not saved, but it describes the hopelessness of your future, a future without Christ, a future without God, a future without salvation is a hopeless, bleak, dark future. Who sinned? Well, that really doesn't matter. The point is, here's a man in great need. The next question, and I like this, and we're fast-forwarding quite a little bit, because a great change takes place, and as the change takes place, people start to ask, is this not he that sat 
and begged? They're looking at this man who was born blind and who sat there for so many years just looking for a crumb, looking for a little handout. And there's such a radical change in this man's life that people are actually saying, is it possible? Is it possible that this is the one who was sitting begging? Such was the great change that had taken place in his life that they even had to call his parents and say, is this really your son? And what happened? Such was the change. And we've been telling you how that it was a thrill for us with a dear couple and to hear the story of how God came into the darkness of their lives and brought them into life. Salvation is real and it makes a change. And salvation won't disappoint you if you come to Christ. He will in no wise cast you out. And if you come to Christ, he'll never let you down. And people will say of you, Is this really he? Is this really she who sat and begged? I've told you the story how that God crossed the path of the Harper family. And people said concerning my dear grandfather, my grandfather whom I idolized. You're not supposed to idolize people, but grandchildren idolize their granddads. And I loved my granddad. And the more I learned about how God crossed his path in grace, The more dear, the more precious the man became to me. I'm so glad he saved my guilty soul. He took my sins away. And he took my granddad's sins away. And what a difference it made in our family. And you say, but you haven't been saved from a desperate life of sin. Well, in a sense, no, that's right. I haven't been saved out of a desperate life of sin and of blackness because I was saved as a little boy of 10. But I want to tell the young folks in the meeting tonight, You know, I haven't been saved out of a desperate life of sin, but I have no doubt that I've been saved from a desperate life of sin. And there's no telling, there's no telling the depths to which even a boy or a girl raised in a Christian family, there's no telling the depths to which they can sin and the depths to which they can sink. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will cost you far more then you want to pay. It's true. Is this he that sat in bed? Would you not like to know the change that salvation brings? Would you not like to know the blessing that only God can give? Would you not like to know what it is to be lifted from a life that is meaningless and empty and to be changed, to be fashioned after the fashion of God's own dear son and to be something that will be eternally for the praise and glory? of God. There's nothing, may I say, there's nothing greater and more dignified than being a child of God. And people said, is this really him? Then there's another question. comes in verse 10. This is the question to which the answer came, a man that is called Jesus made clay. The question is, how were your eyes opened? How did it happen? Such a great change. Look at this man. He was in the gutter and now he's raised and dignified and ultimately the man will be glorified. How did it happen? And the answer comes. A man that is called Jesus made clay. Well, there was a little bit more than that, but let's just think about that for a moment or two. Would you just let the import of those few words sink into your soul? A beggar man. A man who lives in the dust. A man who was left there just to fend for himself, helpless and hopeless, 
lying, sitting in the dust, begging for a crumb. And what impresses him is this. There was a man, and his name was Jesus. And he came right to where I was. And he got down into the dust beside me. And he made clay. And he anointed my eyes. And I don't know how it happened. All I know is a man called Jesus made clay. That's all I know. I don't really know how he saved me. I don't understand all that took place at the cross. I can't really begin to explain it to you as I would like to, but I'm just so glad that there was a man, and his name is Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? I'm just so glad that there was a man called Jesus, and and he got right down into the dust of sin where I was. And I'm so glad, I think I've said it before, I'm so glad he saved my guilty soul. He took my sins away. A man, the miracle of incarnation. Do you think about it? A man, a real man. But you know that he was God. He is God. But God became a man. Why did God become a man? Why was the Lord Jesus Christ born at Bethlehem? Why do we speak about the incarnation, the miracle of the incarnation? God stepping into humanity. Why did it happen? It happened so that sinners like you and I could be reached and saved. He came into the dust so that we could be lifted out of it. A man, a man called Jesus, the miracle of salvation. Mary, you'll call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The miracle of incarnation, the miracle of salvation. I want to think about the great miracle of his compassion, because the man who was called Jesus, he made clay. He wasn't afraid to get down into the dust. Can you think about that? Just just think about that for a moment. God, incarnate, kneeling in the dust of a Judean village somewhere. I was thinking about the first time that God kneeled down and took dust. You remember when God took the dust and he formed that dust into a human being and then breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and that man became a living soul. And it's significant to me, I think, that he gets down into the dust again because, you see, something has intervened. Whenever God made the first man, the first man wasn't blind. The first man didn't have the limitations that this poor man did have. What happened? Well, the problem was sin, wasn't it? And I'm just so glad that the God who, if you'll allow me to speak this way, kneeled in the dust in the Garden of Eden to make the man. I'm so glad he was ready to get into the dust again to remake the man and to fix a problem that he never caused. You know that God's ready to fix a problem that he never caused. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world, right into the dust, to fix a problem that he never caused. He's ready to fix your problem this evening, the problem of your sin, a problem that he never caused, but he's left heaven. He came right down into the dust in order to deal with the problem of your sin and to bring you out of blindness, to bring you out of the darkness. Of course, you know that the Bible speaks about the Lord Jesus going into the dust of death. In order to bring sight to this man, the Lord Jesus simply had to nail, as simply, 
What a great miracle it was. Why am I saying simply? He had to kneel and he made the dust into an ointment with his own spittle and he anointed it upon the eyes of the blind man and when he washed his sight returned. But remember, in order to bring you and I out of the darkness of sin, out of the blackness that our judgment deserves, to rescue us from the awful horrors of hell and the lake of fire, the Lord Jesus tasted the dust of death upon the cross at Calvary. What think ye of Christ? Would you value this one who loved you so much that he was ready to humble himself, stoop down into the very dust of this world, right down into the dust of death, in order to reach a poor lost soul like you and like me? That's Christ in action. There was another part. The man is seen in action a little bit later on because he received a command. The command was, go to the pool and wash. And you know, as he's telling the story, he says, do you know what? I just did what the Lord Jesus told me. I went, I washed, and I came saying. I don't know how it happened, but I know exactly when it happened. It happened when I did what the Savior said. It happened when I did what the Lord Jesus said. Now, the Lord Jesus, he doesn't ask you to understand salvation in order to be saved. He doesn't ask you to explain it. He doesn't ask you to write a thesis, a theological thesis, on how he's going to be the just one and the justifier of those that believe in Jesus. He doesn't ask you to do any of that. But the word of God says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The next question is just this. Where is he? This man who opened your eyes, where is he? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ had disappeared from view, but the man's faith was undiminished. I want to tell you, the Lord Jesus has disappeared from view. He's gone into heaven. And we don't see him with our natural eyes just now, but he's gone into heaven. We've been speaking, haven't we, night by night about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross, that he was buried, that he rose again, and the third day he rose, but after that he went into heaven. And there he is as a conqueror, as a victor over death and the grave. And we've been telling you night by night, because the Lord Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, you can trust him. You can trust him. Where is he now? He's in heaven. But remember, the one who went into heaven is coming back again. I'm almost finished. We're just jumping from one little event in the story to another. There's a little event in the story that I enjoy. The Lord Jesus finds the man, unexpectedly for the man, I think. And he says, do you believe on the Son of God? Do you believe on the Son of God? And the man says, Who is he that I might believe? Who is he that I might believe? I want to just ask the question this evening. Do you believe on the Son of God? Do you? I'm not asking you, do you believe who he is? Because I am fairly sure as I scan the audience this evening, I don't think there's anyone in the room tonight who's foolish enough to disbelieve that Jesus is the Son of God. But that's not the import of the question. The question is this. 
Are you trusting in him? Have you rested upon him? Have you put every claim for eternity upon him? Don't worry too much about the difficult business of believing. Forget about believing and just concentrate upon Christ. Remember, a man that is called Jesus made like salvation's in him. The power is in him. Don't you worry too much about believing. Just concentrate on him. The final question's a slightly sad one. The Jews, they were so proud. As they heard the man's testimony, they said, Who do you think you are to try and teach us? Don't you know that you were altogether born in sin? What have you got to teach us? You see, there were some people who just, and there still are, some people who are completely unteachable. Some people who are completely unreachable because they are so self-satisfied, they are so self-confident, they are so self-righteous that they're not prepared to put their trust in another. What about you? You ready to trust him this evening? You ready to put your whole weight for eternity upon Christ? A man that is called Jesus made clay. Yes, it was the day his eyes were open. It still happens today, my friend. Men and women are groping in the darkness of their sin, lost and unable to find their way. They grab hold of whatever philosophy, remedy, or experience that comes their way, grasping for satisfaction and answers. They see no beauty in the Savior. But how things change when seeking individuals are given their spiritual sight and see things as they really are, like this poor blind man. They fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior, and worship him forever. Yes, it still happens today, but has it ever happened to you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.